All right. Good morning once again. Thank you, worship team. Always appreciate your leading on Sunday mornings. Um, I want to start this morning off with a question, and it's this. Have you ever had one of those days, right? You know what I'm talking about already, one of those ways. Nothing seems to be going right. Everyone seems to be against you. More than that, everything, even inanimate objects, are against you, opposing you, discouraging you, dragging you down. One of those days, you know, all you can hope for is the end of the day, bedtime, and that tomorrow is the cure for one of those days, right? Forget one of those days. Have you ever had one of those weeks, (laughs) months, years? Seasons, okay? I found this uh, cartoon online this week. I wanted to share it with you, okay? Oh, this poor guy. He's having one of those days, right? Beehive on the head. Don't know how that happened. Uh, Mousetrap on the hand. Dog on his arm. Bear trap? I don't know where he's going to work. Um, But a lot has gone wrong. But then the worst part is this guy gets the news. Your insurance just called. They don't cover having a bad day. Right? So... This poor guy, at the moment of his greatest need, hoping on the people who are supposed to be there for him in his time of greatest need, and they deny him, right? Good old cartoons, right? Laughing matter maybe in a cartoon, but each and every one of us has had those days. Each and every one of us has had those weeks, months, seasons, experiences where you feel that even the people who should be caring for you most, even the God who should be caring for you most has somehow abandoned you. Is there truth to those feelings? We all have them. You know, sometimes the hardest thing about going through the hardest times in life is feeling unnoticed in those times, feeling unloved in those times, feeling uncared for in those times. Today's message is going to be a very simple one, and I'm not preaching to us this morning, okay? I'm preaching to you, not just you specifically, Don, sorry. You just happen to be the one, (laughs) you just happen to be the one I pointed to, but it's you. I'm speaking to you this morning as an individual, okay? And we're talking about every one, not everyone, every one, and that's you. And my message this morning is simple. God knows you fully. God loves you deeply, and God cares for you completely. Let's launch into God's Word, because that's where we need the truth to come from, right? Not my lips, God's lips, so let's turn there. Uh, If you have your Bibles, the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 10, we're going to be reading verses 29 to 31. They are on the screen here in front of you, so you can follow along that way if you want. Okay, but this is what they say. This is Jesus speaking. I'll give some context in a second. But he says this, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. 
See, Jesus is speaking these words to his disciples. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is preparing them. He's speaking to them to send them out to preach the good news of the kingdom uh, all around. They've been following Jesus. They've been hearing him teach. And now he's saying, look, I'm sending you out in groups of two. You're going to go out. You're going to teach. You're going to preach. You're going to encourage. You're going to tell people the news of the kingdom of God. But Jesus knows that they'll have days and times where they feel like nobody's listening. That actually they're laughing at them or ridiculing them. They're discouraged in heart and in spirit. And so Jesus gives them these words and he says to them, God knows you fully. God loves you deeply. And he cares for you completely. Two sparrows cost one copper coin, right? A cent, a penny, Right? In Canada, we're getting rid of the penny, right? Remember those days where you saw a penny on the ground and you might be tempted to pick it up, even if it was like stuck there half under the counter with who knows what on top of it? Because it's a penny. Pick it up, right? But we don't even have the penny anymore. We're phasing it out. So it's, it's worth basically nothing. Well, how much is a sparrow? Half of nothing. You can get two of them for a penny, right? And yet in this statement, um, two sparrows can be bought for one cent. Right? But it's a profound statement of God's intimate love saying that not a single sparrow falls to the ground without God knowing it. See, God's eye is on the sparrow. God's eye is on you. God knows everything that's going on. Be as tempted as we might feel to say, I don't think that's true. God knows everything that's going on. Nothing goes unnoticed by God. No one goes unnoticed by God. What's more, even the hairs on your head are numbered. It's easier to number some on than others, but um, even the hairs on our head are numbered. You see, Jesus is saying to his disciples, and he's saying to us, God knows you fully. There isn't one single, even smallest thread hair of detail about your life that God does not know completely. Jesus encourages his disciples by saying, don't be afraid. No matter what you face, never fear. You're more valuable to God than a flock of sparrows. You matter to God. He knows you fully, loves you deeply, cares for you completely. This is the basic truth. I have a slide for it here. Everyone matters to God. Okay? And we can know this in our heads. Okay? But sometimes it's the same way in which maybe we know Jesus loves me. Right? It was a great song. I loved it when I was five, right? It meant a lot to me. But now that I'm older, I know the harsh realities of the world more fully. I'm, now that I'm busier, now that I'm a bit more exhausted, now that I've experienced hurt and pain more fully, now that I'm a bit less trusting and a whole lot more cynical, I'm not so sure. I mean, I know God loves. I know Jesus loves. I'll come to church. I can sing about that. I can talk about it. Yeah, Jesus loves the world. But that message, Jesus loves me, every one me, I'm not so sure about that. John 3.16, easily the most quoted verse in the entire Bible, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We do the same thing with this, right? For God so loved the world. Yeah, I have no problem believing God loved the world, right? God loves everyone. But my point this morning is we need to um, focus our thinking into God loves the world, meaning everyone, but not meaning everyone, meaning every one. And that's you. This verse changes. I don't know if you've ever done this before. I encourage you to think about it. Maybe do it right now in your own head. Replace the world with your first and last name. For God so loved Matt Loveday. 
that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Every one, every single individual, this is the gospel message, right? This is the heart of the gospel message, that God cares for every one. You need proof of that? A crowd is pressing against Jesus. They're pushing, they're shoving. Jesus is literally only inching forward because of the crowd surrounding him. When all of a sudden Jesus stops and says, who touched me? The disciples just start to laugh. Um, Well, that's everybody. Everybody's touching you, Jesus. And he says, no, someone touched me. And out of the back of the crowd, a weak, frail, old woman who has suffered with illness for 12 years and been everywhere to find an answer but hasn't found one, finally meets Jesus and touches him. And Jesus cares about her. Another day, there's another huge crowd, a sea of faces. It's like a parade, and Jesus is coming into town, and people are fighting to just get a glimpse of him. And Jesus is again moving through a thick, thick crowd when he stops under a sycamore tree and looks up, and he sees a man there, one man, and says, Zacchaeus, come down. We've got some things to talk about. Can we have lunch? Jesus cares about the one After many days of being with crowds of people, it's finally break time, right? A full day of teaching, preaching, and healing, and praying. Jesus is tired. He gets a little bit of a break, sits down, maybe leans up against a tree, just starts to close his eyes when a few rambunctious young children come running towards him. Whoa, 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 stop! The disciples grab the kids, hold them back. Jesus just needs a break. He needs a rest right now. He's been very busy. And Jesus says, no, stop. Let them come. They matter me. Everyone matters to God. You matter to God. And even though you may be in the midst of a bad day, a rough week, a terrible year, a rough situation, rough season, there are three things this morning that I know God wants you to know. The first is this. You are known to God. Okay? You are known to God. From our uh, verse in um, chapter 10 of the, the book of Matthew, we see um, how much God knows about us, right? The number of hairs on our head. We've already talked about that. And with this statement, Jesus reveals the intimate nature of God's involvement in our lives, right? He doesn't even see us as a whole person. He sees every little piece about us. God cares about every detail, every hair, Every emotion, every feeling, every thought, literally every fiber of us, God knows and God cares about. I want to encourage you this week to, to read um, all of Psalm 139, okay? Put that in your brains, write it down, put it in your phones, Psalm 139, 139. Read it in its entirety this week. Maybe read it every day this week, okay? Um, It's an incredible psalm about how completely and fully and intimately God knows you. And this morning, I just want to look at a few verses together with you, right? But it's a marvelous psalm reminding us of how God knows us individually, right? Not not every one, but every one. In the midst of seven billion people, God knows you. That's a powerful thought, okay? Let's read together Psalm 139, uh, 13 to 16. Again, you can follow along up here. I'll, I'll read it to you here. It says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. 
You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Right? God knows you fully. I remember each of my three boys being born. Christine and I have been a part of and witnessed their lives, their growing lives, pretty much on a daily basis, moment by moment. And yet there is still so much that I have missed in my boy's life already. Because I can't be with them every day, all night long, all day long. You know, you get the ultrasound pictures, even those nine months or so in the womb, you, you get these pictures and... and, and Ladies, moms, even for you, you know, it, I know it's different for you. You're carrying this child, but you don't know this child. You're not in there, and you get this little black and white grainy figure. But, but God is there from the moment life starts. God has known you completely. That's what the psalm is saying, right? You watched me. You were there as I was formed in utter seclusion, woven together in the darkness of the womb. You know, we often talk in church, if you've been to church a lot in your life, you maybe have heard people talk about a personal relationship with God. And I'll admit to you this morning, there were many years, I grew up in the church, so I heard that a lot, but there was many years that I struggled to understand what that meant, what that really looked like. Because all the people who I was closest to on earth and knew me personally, it was different than anything I tried in my relationship with God, right? Because I can see my parents, my friends, you know, I hang out with them. Body to body, we're there. But God is God. So what does that all mean? And then Psalm 139 has really helped me with me because the only person who's been with me through every single moment, millisecond of life has been me and God who made me. My parents... My wife, my kids, no matter how much time I spend with these people who I love deeply and personally, there will never be another relationship in my life that can be more complete than my relationship with God. Because even in my alonest, darkest times in my own head where I've let no one else in, God is there. And in that way, our relationship with God is by far the most personal relationship that we can ever, ever have. And that God who we can have that relationship with, knows us fully. Not a single second has passed that God has not been with you. He knows the hairs on your head. No one knows you more, and no one will ever love you better than God. The second thought this morning is this. You are not forgotten by God, okay? You are not forgotten by God. Remember our poor guy from the comic strip, right? All that bad stuff happened to him in his day. But what was even worse was those people who he called upon in his time of need to say, look, I need your help. You need to help me make this right. They wouldn't help him, right? We can handle a lot of hardship and pain in life. We can when we have people around us who care about us and love us. But could you imagine going through hardship and pain in life feeling like nobody cares about you at all, that you don't really matter, that you're just one of a hundred or you're one of seven billion, right? Jesus told a story once, a parable about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep, right? But at the end of the day, went through, put him back in the safety of the pen, counted about 99. One was missing. 
well, you know what, 99%'s not that bad. It's just one sheep in 100. And you know what, at the end of the day, I'm kind of tired. I might have miscounted one, two, three, one, two, three, five, five, six, seven, eight, right? Probably there. Let's not worry about the one. No, Jesus says that shepherd, symbolizing God, went out, searched until he found that one. And when he found the one, rejoiced. You see, this is the heart of God. God does not forget about even one. Everyone matters. He never forgets about you. I want to look at um, two psalms this morning with us really quickly, okay? The first is Psalm 22, verses 1 to 2, okay? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why, have you, why are you so far when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. You know, this psalm is quoted by Jesus on the cross. It's something, or we, I'm sure, have uttered something to this nature at some point in our lives. In our moment of greatest suffering and pain, we feel what the psalmist felt. Why has God abandoned me? Why has he forsaken me in my moment of greatest need? We feel alone. We feel forgotten. But all you need to do is flip over Maybe a page in your Bible. Maybe you don't even need to do it. But let's read Psalm 23. Okay, now again, very popular. Many of you will have heard this before. Okay, Psalm 23, 1 to 4. The Lord is my shepherd who cares about every one, right? One in a hundred sheep. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Back to back, these two psalms, one of complete despair, one of complete rest in the fact that God is my shepherd. He does know me fully. He does love me deeply. He is caring for me completely. It doesn't matter if you're one in a hundred or one in over seven billion. The fact is that God has not forgotten about you. Remember, Jesus is sending out his 12 disciples to proclaim the kingdom to people in villages and towns around at that time, that surrounding area. And he was giving them this message, do not be afraid. God will care for you. God knows you. God loves you. God will care for you. So do not be afraid. And do you know that outside of the theme of salvation, there is um, no other theme more present in the pages of the scripture than this idea of do not fear or take courage or take heart, this type of a theme in the scriptures. Do you also know that this is one of two sending out messages for the disciples, right? In the one in Matthew 10, Jesus has been walking with his disciples. He's been showing them how to do this. And now he's here, but he's sending them out. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has risen again to new life. And Jesus is about to send back into heaven. And once again, he's leaving them saying, I'm not going to be around. And he again sends his disciples out into the world. And he gives them this message. This is Matt. I don't have this one for you. Just listen along. This is Matthew chapter 28. Um, And verses 18 to 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. It's the same message. Do not fear, I am with you always. I will never forget about you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never abandon you. Even in your moment of greatest need, I will be there. The last thought I have to leave with you today is simply this. Your faith will one day be sight. Okay? Your faith will one day be sight. Jesus said that in this world you will have trouble. Okay? It's a fact. We've all been there. We've all experienced it. Maybe we're experiencing it now. Maybe you're in the thick of it this morning. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, right? Do not fear. I have overcome the world. It's a wonderful truth from Jesus. It's a great promise of Jesus, and it's a stark reality of the world that we are going to live in by faith. In this world, you will have trouble. No one is free from life's troubles. Everyone needs to have faith and trust in the promises of God. We're going to go to the book of Hebrews, because Hebrews chapter 11 is the chapter of faith, all right? Here's another chapter for you to read this week, Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the chapter of faith. It starts off by giving us a definition of what faith is. It says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Okay? Then Hebrews 11 goes on to recount the lives of faith of so many individuals in the scriptures. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, and more and more and more names in that chapter. But in the middle of all these names of chapter 11, sandwiched in between two bookends of a list of names of people of faith, are these verses that I want to look at. Chapter 11, verses 13 to 16. Okay? All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised. But they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. And that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. Life was not easy for these heroes of faith. The life of faith is never easy. Okay? It's hard to be certain of things you cannot see. It's hard to be certain of things you cannot see. The same is true for each and every one of us today who live by faith. The same thing as those from years ago recorded in Hebrews chapter 11. In the midst of life's trouble, it's faith we must live by. And faith reminds us that things temporal will one day pass. The brokenness we know now will not be the brokenness that we have to live with for eternity. Thank God in Jesus' name. 
The temporal will one day pass away. For now, it's hard to see it. It's hard to see through it. It's hard to see beyond it. But a moment is coming, and it's not far off when your faith will be sight. You know, we all experience it. A lot of people call it holy unrest or holy dissatisfaction. It's that feeling in your gut, especially when something is not going right in life, where you long for more. You know there's got to be more. This can't be it. This can't be all that God has for us. There's got to be more. It's that holy appetite inside of us. And it's because God made us for more. It's because God has prepared us for more. It's because it's true. Holy unrest in this broken world is a real thing. And God is calling us and leading us home. This is not our home. He has a place in store for us. And I love that statement where uh, in Hebrews it says, they saw it at a distance and welcomed it. Right? They saw it at a distance, right? It wasn't right there. It wasn't tangible. It wasn't something that they were experiencing presently. They only saw it at a distance. But by faith, they embraced it and they welcomed it. And they said, that's what I'm living for. That's where God is taking me. This is where I am. And it's not necessarily the best. But this isn't my eternity. That is my eternity. And I will have faith to follow God. It's not wishful thinking. Faith is not wishful thinking, right? Oh, heaven's going to be great, you know, beautiful. It's not just hopeful thinking. It's not wishful thinking. Faith isn't just a crutch to get you through the hard times in life. It's a promise. It's a promise of God. It's the backbone of faith. It's the hope that we have when we choose to embrace the promises of God. It's the hope that we soak up in our souls, that saturate our dry bones. It is the certainty we can have even in the most uncertain of circumstances, even when life is at its very worst. When life is at its very worst. Mary had hit rock bottom. Her life was a mess, going nowhere, The hurt and the pain were leading her to death in every sense of the word. And then she met Jesus. He looked her in the eye, looked straight through to her heart, and he spoke her name. Mary, God knows you fully. God loves you deeply. God cares for you completely. Follow me, trust me, and I will lead you back to life in every sense of the word. So she did. She followed him. Past demons were abandoned. Past wrongs were forgiven. And future hope was once again restored in her life. Until the unimaginable happened. Jesus is arrested, wrongly accused, unjustly convicted, and crucified. And Mary watched it all happen. She watched as they took his dead, lifeless body down off the cross. She helped as they carried him to the tomb and placed him in the tomb. And she wept. For three days, she didn't stop weeping. 
But on the third day, the third morning, her eyes still dripping with sadness, she approaches the tomb and she finds it empty. This is it. This is rock bottom. Beyond rock bottom, she says, she crumbles to the ground, a puddle of tears. How can things get any worse? Someone's even stolen Jesus' body. I've been robbed in so many ways in my life, and now I've been robbed of this chance to say a final goodbye to the one person who ever made a difference in my life. The gardener's there, and from her crumpled spot on the ground, she weakly gets out the words, please. Where have they taken him? If you know, please, please tell me. And then he speaks her name, Mary. She still can't see eyes filling, uh, tears filling her eyes. But she's heard him say her name a thousand times. And she knows what he'll say next. Mary, God knows you fully. God loves you deeply. And he cares about you completely. So follow me. Trust me. And I will lead you to life in every sense of the word. The tears fall away and Mary's faith is her sight. She sees. So this morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know whether you're having one of those days. One of those weeks, one of those months, years, seasons. In some sense, we're probably all in a season, right? It never goes away. But no matter whether life is at its best or at its worst, the message is the same. This morning, there's a risen Savior who's calling your name. God knows you fully, God loves you deeply. And God cares for you completely. Okay? I invite the worship team to come back up. And as they do, um, I want to encourage you um, to make sure you're back next week. Okay? Um, John's starting a brand new sermon series about letting go. When letting go is the best thing that you can do. Right? We all carry around stuff. <laughs> right? Uh, and sometimes letting go is the best thing for you. You don't want to miss that. And of course... Next week also is um, the video that we made together, that Juan put together, right? So you want to make sure you're back next Sunday for that video. I've seen it. I saw a sneak peek. Um, It's a beautiful, beautiful um, picture of our community, of us. And each and every individual in that video, and of course even the ones that uh, that aren't on the video, who maybe couldn't stay for the videotaping, it's a great reminder that God cares about every one of us. Not just in this community, but in our country, in our world. Every one matters to God. Okay? Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, living by faith in a broken world can be really difficult. It's never easy. And yet through it all, you are still God. You are still good. You're a good Good Father, you know us fully. You love us deeply and you care for us completely. 
Every one of us needs you. Every one of us needs your compassion, your love that never fails. And this morning, we want to place more fully our trust in you. The one who conquered the grave, the one who speaks our name and calls out to each and every one of us, follow me, trust in me, and I will lead you to life in every sense of the word. As broken as we are, as broken as the world that we live in, we have hope in the name of Jesus. In a name that is mighty, mighty to save. And it's in that name that we pray. Amen.